0: They are. So uh, let's get into the Word of God. Uh, Let's all stand to our feet. I want to be talking with you this morning, uh, briefly, obviously, uh, out of Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 14. And I want to talk to you about uh, getting busy, uh, which is fitting for today. All right. So uh, let's read the scripture together. I'm going to read verses 11 through 14. Uh, and uh, then we'll just kind of get in as deep as we can. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. This morning I want to talk to you just a little bit about uh, waking up and getting to work waking up it's time for work so as we have seen this morning already there are a lot of people who are at work who are working presently for the lord jesus christ and a lot of them are doing it in an imperfect way we're imperfect human beings but they're working okay Many of us are sleepy Christians, and we need to awake from our slumber. We need to arise out of our sleepiness, out of our beds. We need to get dressed because it's time to go to work. How many of you enjoy sleeping? How many of you have a hard time getting up in the morning? Why do you have a hard time getting up in the morning? Because you like sleep. You enjoy sleep. Now, what are some truths about sleep that cause us to enjoy it so much? One, I believe, it's not hard. As a matter of fact, I can't think of a human experience or activity that is less hard than sleeping. Now, some of you insomniacs in here, you're like, well, you don't know me because I fight to sleep, right? But for the normal people in here, one of the most enjoyable activities is sleep because it's the easiest activity. As a matter of fact, it could almost be called a non-activity because you're not doing anything. You're just sleeping. And I do believe that sleep is a good thing. We're commanded in the Scripture to rest, that we need to rest. Now, we know that Christ is our rest, but obviously God created us in such a way that it is good for us and necessary for us to rest the problem is with like with any good thing a good thing used in a wrong way results in a bad thing which in my opinion is the very foundation of what sin is see i don't have time to get into it but The theory that I have on sin and the origination of sin is that sin is not a thing. Sin is a misuse or it is an absence of the proper use of a good thing. For Satan is not a creator. God is the creator. And God, everything that God created is good. What then is sin? Sin is misuse of God's good things. You can apply this to any sin, think about it, whether it's drinking too much, whether it's sleeping too much, whether it's eating too much. Nobody likes to talk about that sin, right? If you eat too much, then you've committed a sin known as Gluttony. gluttony. If you work too much, it's a sin, If you sleep too much, it's a sin. What is the sin called when we sleep too much? Laziness. But sleep is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it is a thing that can overcome us when the thing that we are doing becomes more important to us than the God we are serving. And at at this time, we transition from talking about physical sleep, which can be a sin when we do too much of it, to spiritual sleep that you see the same thing applies to us spiritually, that it's easy to sleep, isn't it? It's wonderful to sleep. As a matter of fact, it'll cause you to continue to hit the snooze button, which I have a problem with myself too. It'll embarrass you sometimes. Just ask me when I came late to our systematic theology class on Wednesday morning, and I was 30 minutes late, and I'm supposed to be leading the thing. I didn't even hear that alarm, and... Dakota hadn't been to systematic theology in like eight months. (laughs) Not literally. More like eight weeks because I didn't hear my alarm. (laughs) AJ, just so you know, he blames it on you every single time. Yes, I will call people out. You knew that when you came here or learned it very quickly. But I call me out too, though, so... Well, here it says, besides this, you know the time, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. What does he mean? You know the time. <laughs> okay, now I, I I'm I'm if you wanted to start this whole thing about it's the end time, it's the end, well the end is near, the end is near. I'm not making fun of somebody saying that. Well, probably I kinda am, but I'm not actually because The end, I think, is near. But I think the end has been near for quite a while. In the grand scheme of things, you know, a thousand years with the Lord is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. We don't know when the end is coming. But what we do know is that in Paul's day, the end was near. So I think that we're fairly comfortable and within reason to say that in our day, we're more near. Just a observation the end is more near now than it was when this was written okay so whatever Paul's going to say is going to apply even more uh, uh, importantly maybe not importantly more uh, immediately with immediacy behind it than it even did to them because we're more near you need to hear what he has to say he says he says this he says besides this you know the time do you know the time do you know the time no i'm actually asking (laughs) do you know the time no yes yes you do come on guys keep up we do know the time and this is what the time is That the time is near for the coming of the Lord, for the gospel proclamation, for the building of the kingdom. The time has never been more near when it's needed for gospel proclaimers to be excited about Jesus. To be ready and willing to put themselves in harm's way. To be ready and willing to lose all that they have because Christ is more important than us. To be willing to go up to West Virginia and to spend money that you worked hard for. To spend time that you ain't got. Right? To spend energy and risk falling off of roof a roof when you're old. Right, Randy? He's not here. He may hear about that. But God will prevent, protect the old man from getting busted up, falling off the roof. So, the time being more defined for you guys as the time that the gospel needs to go forth. Because the time of Christ's coming is near and sin is crouching at our door. The time is now when Christ must be proclaimed. Now, do you guys know what time it is? Yes! Yes! yes victory all right let's go home (laughs) besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up so this is part of that time as well the time is a time when sin abounds when the desires of the flesh abound and when when Moronic ideas and insanity are being uh, proclaimed in the streets as normal, as, as, as common. And you, you see men w- wanting to be women and women wanting to be men. And this is not only said that this is okay, but that you're in sin if you don't agree with us. This is insanity. This is the time when sin abounds, right? Right? And when the desires of the flesh abound, and it's, it, it's, it lines up with the scriptures maybe like never before that I've seen it, where the Bible says, Paul says in Romans, says, that they will call evil good and good evil. So the time is now. It's never been closer, no matter what your eschatological view, no matter if you're a, 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 a dispy or a pre-mill or a post-mill or a pre-rapture, pre-trip, post-mill, whatever. It doesn't matter, we understand that whatever your eschatology is, is that we're nearer now than we were then, right? And so we're we're needed more now, at least in a more immediate way that this applies to us, is that we need to go. The time is now. And what's that time? The time is the time where the uh, sins of the world are more evident than they've ever been. The need for the gospel is more uh, needed and, and more imperative than it's ever been. And it's time, because of that, to wake up. To wake up. Now, what does it mean to wake up? You say, well, I thought that waking up just meant salvation. I believe that's part of waking up, right? Before Christ, before salvation, we're dead in our trans- transgressions and sins. We're separated from Christ. We're, we're, our eyes are closed. We're, we're asleep. We're dead. We're, we're not awake. We're not, we're not aware. We can't, we can't grasp the things of God, right? There, there's need for an awakening. But part of that way awakening is not just an awakening to justification but an awakening to sanctification, motivation and getting out of your seat getting out of your house getting out of the church walls if you consider this building a church and getting to work in the streets. Everything good? At our house? It's the solar guy. I went up there and checked on it earlier. Just tell her it's the solar guy. There, I checked the ring, and there was a, there was a guy at our house, so I, I ran up there right quick, and he said, Man, they ain't tell y'all I was coming. I was like, No, nah, bro, They ain't told me nothing. <laughs> and he called his boss, and he was like, Man, y'all got to tell these people, man. Bad stuff happens when y'all send me out and you ain't told nobody I'm like it's all right man do your thing so yeah he's working on the solar panels now that the whole world knows our business <laughs> but everything's okay he seemed like a really good dude hope he knows what he's doing we need to get our solar panels up and going anyway what was I talking about before <laughs> wake up wake up sleepy Christians there's, been a, there's never been a more imperative time that we wake up because now is the... Okay, okay. So there's two different angles that we can come in. I know it's 12 o'clock. If you need to go, just go. But there's two different angles that we can come at. Okay, <laughs> Robert, hold on. I was just kidding. Anybody else, the elders can't go. The elders cannot leave. Okay, we can look at this from two different angles. Now watch this. We can look at this and we can say in more of a negative way, Right, that we've got this situation, it's called reality, okay? And the situation in reality is that sin is a problem and that sin is infecting our world and it is destroying our world, okay? And the time is now to wake up because there's never been a more needed time for the gospel proclamation because of the wickedness of the world and they need to be combated, right, right? Now, I'm, I'm on board with that. You know me, I like the warrior motif, right? And, and, and I, that absolutely applies right here, because in the text it actually says, and I had this whole sermon planned out, but we're just going to kind of go through it. Uh, but it says here, it says, uh, it, it says, For salvation is nearer to us now than when you first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor, the armor of light. Now, why do people put on armor? to do battle right to do battle so there is a spiritual warfare aspect to the gospel proclamation so when you wake up it's time to wake up meaning that you do come to life it is a new birth but as a matter of fact it's not just a new birth but it's an awakening to a call to do battle for the Lord Jesus Christ so when you go to Jolo West Virginia you're not going to build a house you're going to go to war okay and the demonic presence in that place is severe you guys have attested i've talked to others when you go into uh these uh different places where prostitution is so heavy in the red light district and you're doing these these mission projects there and you're proclaiming the god you can feel I'm, I'm, I, I i know you can feel the the demonic presence can you not the darkness the darkness is so thick and so heavy uh my brother matt brock who i hope to have sometime we want to partner with him so many people to partner with right get y'all's pocketbooks out baby the gospel's going forth right and I, i'm giving too i'm giving too we're going to give together right because these men are on the ground doing the work okay all right these men are on the ground doing the work these women are on the ground doing the work so the least we can do is we do our jobs and we can give right we can give we can invest in ministry and your money is well spent i don't talk about money much I don't take a paycheck from here, so I'm not getting anything from it. So I say with you, not to you, let's give and let's invest and let's back these guys and these women who are going overseas, who are going states over who are going to these different places to build and to do and to preach to proclaim and to do the work of the ministry and my brother matt brock is preaching uh, every wednesday and he's, he's got all kind of people outside the abortion mill the murder clinic in greenville and we're seeing babies being saved we're seeing ministry being done and it's growing and it, and and the, and the gospel is going forth but i saw a video of him the other day and he was beat down a little bit you can tell my brother's beat down and it was because he was there by himself, and the wickedness, the wickedness that was just so thick, and the attacks that was leveled against him, and this couple who uh, were just cussing him out and cursing his name and 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 heaving insults and and curses on him, got their little like eight year old girl out of the car, and the, and she's weeping, sobbing, like heaving, crying, so because she's scared to death, and they have her. Uh, cursing at him and, and, and symbols holding up and she's not she's weeping and holding her head down and they make her hands make the symbols to, to, to do this to the man of God who is just pleading with them to consider Christ and to save their baby the demoni- so we can go from that angle that we as, as, as men and women of God proclaimers of the gospel carriers of the light Into the dark places that we mount up and we go and we do war. We put on our our armor and we go do war. That's one way of looking at it. I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But there's another thing, too. There's the warrior motif, then there's a farmer motif. And you know what? You know what is true about a wicked and perverse generation? That oftentimes, I won't say every time because sometimes it's just hard-heartedness and that's why they're like that. And I do believe that America is under judgment right now. But that oftentimes the darkness and the the prevalence of sin and, and this abundance of sin and fleshly desires makes for a rich soil in which to sow the seeds of the gospel. Now to some, the ones that you're doing warfare with, you may need to go to war with them. But, but some have been wounded by that wickedness too. And they are the ones that God is preparing their hearts to be rich soil for the seed to be planted. And for there to be a massive harvest. 4,500 say. One Two, three, twenty, forty-five hundred, whatever that they are ready. So there's a there's a combative. So we we sh- we shoot the we shoot the wolves. We feed the sheep, and there are many sheep out there that are ready. They are ready, and they're looking for King Jesus. So the time is now, and I'm I'm out of time. <laughs> the time is now. I'll tell you this this last thing. Let's skip down to the bottom. So. I've partially covered my sermon, but this is, this is good. It's okay, and it's perfect for what we've been looking at today. So the time is now. What time is now? The time is now when sin is at a great high. I don't know if I'll say all-time high. Paul was dealing with some junk in Corinth, okay? I, I don't know, but I know it's at a high right now. I mean, look at our government. Look at the things that they're saying so we know that the time is now that sin is at a peak. And that time is, a, is significant because that time is the time that we need to wake up. Which we know is part of salvation and justification. That's fine. That's great. That's wonderful. You say, woo But it's more than that. It's time for you to put on the armor of God. It's time for you to step up and to step out. It's time for you to stop hitting snooze and get your tail up out of the bed and to, to don your armor, to put on the armor of light. What does that mean? That's very lofty language, and it sounds very poetic, and it's nice. But what does that mean? Skip down to verse 14. Now let's just read through and we'll focus on 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Remember the word put on. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual morality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy. Not in these sinful disgusting things but how but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires put on the Lord Jesus Christ you put on the armor of light you put on the Lord Jesus Christ so you know what that means It means as in several other places Galatians 3 27 uh, 1 comes to mind is that we clothe ourselves in righteousness we clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ it means that we are so covered and consumed in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that when people see us they see him and when they see him they're radically transformed and saved you see you can't save nobody you can't do nothing for Nobody. You are a weak, mere human being. But when you dawn, the Son of God, and when you walk into the darkness, the darkness is dispelled. Amen. Amen. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. There is nothing that can stand in your way. There is nothing that can hinder you. There is nothing that can stop you. Why? Because you're good? Because you know how to talk? Because you're very good with words? Because you're charismatic? Nonsense. But it is because of the living God that dwells inside of you. Woo! And listen to me, folks. I ain't preached like this in a minute, so I'm going to go ahead on for a little bit. Because the, the, the Spirit of the living God that is the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ up out of the grave is the same Spirit that dwells in your mortal bodies. And that same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ up out of the grave is the same Spirit that when you walk into the room, all the demons go, oh, man, what done happened? Right? It's not because of you. It's because of your God. It's not because of your uh, intellect. It's because of your dialect. When you speak of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you walk into that room, all the demons they look and they say, "Oh no, who? What happened?" You remember the demon that when Jesus Christ stepped out of the boat and stepped on the shore, the the, the demon looked at him and says, "Why are you here?" please don't kill us you know we don't we don't lack a gospel that can transform this world we lack a man and a woman brave enough to be empowered by god to go into the dark places with the gospel that'll transform this world you want to take over the world get your tail up out of bed put on the lord jesus christ walk out the front door and say hello world here am i right you see you say i don't know brandon I don't know. I don't think I'm smart enough. Amen. I don't think I'm fast enough. Amen. I don't think that I know the right things to say. Amen. There's a verse for every one of those. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you enter those times because the Holy Spirit will give you every word you need to say. All right? I'm, not, I'm not strong enough. Praise the Lord. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Listen. I think it's hand bone says fairly often it's not your ability, but it's your availability now that 's kind of corny, but hambone 's super corny anyway <laughs> but it's it 's wonderful corny's wonderful when hambone does it, please you don 't do it. you can 't pull it off. <laughs> but hambone 's got a wonderful corny attribute, and some of his little sayings are like that's so great. <laughs> Right? But it's true. Like, it's not your ability, it's your availability. And, and God is looking. As a matter of fact, the stupider you are, the better, right? Because, and, and I'm looking, at, and I think I'm thinking I going to preach in a couple of weeks on David taking the census, right? In, uh, in, in Chronicles, he did, he did it also in 2 Samuel, I think, 30, uh, chapter 34. And anyway, David takes this census of all the people, and the Lord like, gets really, really mad about it. And ends up killing like 70,000 Israelis because David told Joab to count the, count the troops. And say, so why did he get so mad? Well, there's, first of all, he explicitly commanded him not to do that. But second of all, I think this is one thing, and I'm not going to start preaching that text today, okay? We're about to. But I think it goes back to the Gibeon story. I think it goes back to that I think it goes back to several instances in the Old Testament where if you'll remember the story of Gideon and and uh his his troops in the three hundred God's doing this work, and he's like look you're about to go to you're about to go to war, but you've got too many soldiers, you've got too many I think he had like three hundred thousand or something to start out with, and uh the Lord's like nah That's too many. If you win with that many, like, they'll think that you were just, you know, you had enough. But I need to get the glory. You know, God's like, I want all the glory. So he's like, listen, tell all the ones who were cowards to go home. Give them a chance, right? And so he, you know, he announced to them, and then a bunch of them just left because they were scared anyway. They didn't want to go to war. They are like, yes. And so he's still left, I think, with, like, 30,000. I didn't prepare for this, so you go look at the numbers yourself, I think 30,000. Well, then he's like, eh, still too many. Like, If you win with 30,000, they might think that you, know, you had 30,000 really good ones, and you did it on your own power because you had so many. He's like, listen, take them down to the water and tell them to drink. And some of them will drink one way, and some of them will drink another way. And the ones that drink the other way, I'll take those, right? In all indications of the text, it's like it's the most ignorant men. Of the way that they were to drink, because some of them, you know, it says they stoop down and they drink like this, like sophisticated. I just it, now this is all conjecture, right? And when I'm reading the text, I'm like, why the? Dog? And this is just what in my mind, you know, it seems like all the ones that stoop down. He said, all the ones that stoop down and they drink with their hand, like proper gentlemen, right? That those tell them to go home. Well, which ones should I keep, Lord? Keep the ones that like get down and lap it up like a dog. <laughs> And there was only 300. <laughs> there were like 300 of these stupidest men that were just laughing this water up like a dog, you know. And he's like, oh, "That's the guys. Those are the ones." And I'm sure Gideon's like, "Uh, oh, oh. you know." But why did he do that? And why was I telling this story? No, no, I remember. I remember. I'm just kidding. Is that? Is that he wanted all the glory, like all the glory, and they won the battle. They didn't. They didn't even need three hundred. But oftentimes, when a, when a moronic human being is involved, God gets even more glory than if He would have just done it Himself, right? Because you just get in the way. Like if anything, you're like, oh, I could, I could never do this for God, right? Well, duh. You know, like you're always just in God's way. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, me and God partnered up and we got her done. No, <laughs> no, like God let you tag along and he was like, it's, it reminds me of when my kids want to help me wash the car. <laughs> like, like, you know, Z or LRA is helping me wash the car. Not that I wash the car too much anymore, but I do sometimes. And uh, they, we got the brush out and they like dropped the brush in the dirt. And then they pick the the dirty brush up and they're just wiping dirt all over the car, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? This is making my work harder. That's exactly, except on an eternal level of how you're always messing God's work up. But God is a good, good father. And he's like, look, I don't need you to come along so that I can get it done, but I'm offering for you to come and be a part of the work I'm doing. You know, the old... The old punchline against the sovereign grace guy is like, why don't we do anything at all if God's sovereign? God just do it himself. Well, surely you don't think in your theology that God needs you to get it done. That's moronic. That's stupid, right? Sorry if that's your theology. I didn't mean to hit you. But it is. Like, God doesn't need, God will not be served by human hands as if He needed anything, right? God doesn't need anything from us, but. The most wonderful thing is, and the truth of the Scripture is, is that God desires you to come alongside. And he's going to allow you to come alongside and get to get your hands dirty and get to be a part of a work that he's doing that can't be stopped, right? If it depended on you, man, we in a mess, right? If it depended on me, I mean, just look at how big of an idiot I've sounded like up here in the last 20 minutes, right? If it depends on me, we got problems, If it depends on you, we got problems. But it doesn't. It depends on God who can't fail, and he's inviting you to come along. So I say unto you today, wake up. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't even give a crack in the door to the flesh. All it's going to do is hurt you, and it's going to hinder the gospel. Set all that to the side. I'm preaching to me now. Set all that to the side do away with that be done with that in the power of the gospel that you proclaim to others right let it be effective in your own life right evaluate your own examine your own life lest you fall from uh, being worthy of this lest you lest you miss out on it yourself as paul tells us set all that to the side wake up dawn on the lord jesus christ and let's get busy for him Amen? amen amen let's all stand to our feet i'm finished Ben, thanks a lot. Ben just said what everybody else was thinking. He said, good. (laughs) Praise the Lord, Ben. I love you too. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Hey, do business with the Lord today. Maybe it is that you've never been saved. You know, I'm not sure where you are in your walk or... Where you are in your life. If, if sin has overwhelmed you and you can't see any way out, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you that salvation in Christ is sweeter than the sweetest honey. It's more valuable than the finest and most precious gold. If you are a Christian and you've wondered, I, I've been there. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer and you've wondered and, and you have been sleepy. You have been, you have been wandering around in a daze maybe come to the lord today is the day come to the lord surrender your life submit yourself to christ and put on the lord jesus christ that we might get busy for him and let's keep on pushing i want to say the last thing is i'm so proud of you from a pastor an imperfect pastor i promise you it makes me so thankful to be a part of you from the women and the If Gathering and the Life Raft to the Jolo to the food ministries here on Saturday or the trailer or Thailand or wherever. I'm so thankful and you encourage my heart so much to see so many of you just after it for the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it's not on your own power. That's what's so encouraging. It's that Christ has really moved on you and he's pushed you and he's motivating you and he's carrying you. Keep up the good fight. Keep fighting the good fight. And let's keep on pushing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and do business with God today.